You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker, a weekday podcast that takes you deep into SEC football. Be sure and listen to our Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast as well. Pretty similar, except it's the Big Ten. Uh, Chris Landry joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball. I'm Dave Hooker. You can follow me at the Dave Hooker. So, uh, Chris, we'll go ahead and get rolling right here with the uh, uh, the big lead. And, man, you've got a lot of news uh, out of Alabama, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and especially Arkansas. Let's start with a guy that uh, you sh- everybody should know his name, cornerback uh, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, certainly an excellent zone coverage corner, as you've written at Alabama. They've got another good defensive back. Not a shocker. Yeah, absolutely. And You know, listen, he has really developed and improved his technique. And putting him alongside Patrick Sertan will, will certainly help them on the outside and give them uh, another quality secondary, uh, which they seemingly always have in Tuscaloosa. Yep, they certainly do. And, and uh, Kentucky received a commitment from former Florida State linebacker Xavier Peters. What can you tell us about him? Well, listen, he's a really good player. Uh, I mean, he's somebody who's a redshirt freshman that uh, verbally uh, committed to going to Kentucky in January of 2017, but he's a really good physical run defender. He's got good athletic quality, so he should be able to help them fairly early. We'll see how things develop, though, but a good get for them and somebody, again, that they're they're very pretty familiar with. Mississippi State redshirt senior guard Daryl Williams making the move to center. How difficult is that transition? Well, it can be uh, quite a bit of a challenge. Now, he's got some experience in it. He's very bright, and they've worked with him enough in practice to where he's going to make that move seamlessly. And it's also something that's going to help him at the next level because I think he's a potential top-five center prospect in next year's draft. He's got good quickness. He comes off the ball well. Uh, he moves his feet. He drives very well. Uh, but he works with the, his linemates very well, meaning he's able to to see things and be able to shuffle guys off and feel things uh, from defensive front standpoint. So he worked 12 games starting at left guard this past season. But um, they've been coaching him up, working him there. Here's the other thing it does, Dave, as you well know, is it gives you position versatility. So let's say you have an injury somewhere. Uh, at, uh, you know, he's, he's starting at center. Um, you know, maybe you got another young guy that can play center. You get an injury at guard. Daryl could go back out of guard. I mean, that position versatility, ideally you like to get the best interior three linemen you can and overall the best five offensive linemen you have, uh, starting. Then a, a couple of notes out of, uh, Arkansas, including, uh, defensive tackle Briston Guidry retiring from football because of knees. It seems like we're hearing that uh, more and more, Chris. Is that just a trend, or is that uh, guys that are more aware of their long-term health? What do you think? Well, I think it's just you know a case of natural attrition. There, there, we have a lot of this. Uh, sometimes it goes by the wayside. I, I think this kid's a good kid, and he's really worked hard for them, but. I think he recognizes that his future is as it should be for all of these guys. Get a good education, use the opportunity that you've had, but he's not long for playing football on the college or the NFL level with his knees, so he's decided to make that move. And then uh, wide receiver uh, T.J. Hammonds uh, returning to the roster. 
Uh, he is, and uh, that was kind of expected. But, you know, it's, it's one of these situations where he just kind of mysteriously kind of went away. So there's something, you know, personal that went on. And But they, he obviously was welcomed back. They've obviously welcomed him back. So uh, he's somebody, quick guy. He's a little under six feet, 190 pounds. Uh, he's a good-looking little kid. So um, it, it'd be a good opportunity. So some uh, some interesting news going around the league. And, oh, by the way, some some further news that you can check on and LandryFootball.com. We've got some updates recently, uh, as, as early as this morning, Texas A&M, LSU, some other nuggets in there. So you can follow that uh, for more information uh, at LandryFootball.com. Great place uh, to follow uh, football. As a matter of fact, the place, in, in my opinion. Going back to the uh, the Arkansas thing, anytime you have a new coach, he's he, he's trying to, to, to come in in and, and year number two, and I would think instill what he believes should be his culture. Um, how difficult is that among the college coaches you talk to? Well, I think it's it's difficult because sometimes guys resist it. You know, in other words, they're used to doing things a certain way, and like like most people. And when you do that, it, it listen, it becomes a little not combative, but it becomes a little counterproductive to try to develop your program. And that's why we see this. And I, I go back to. Who's, who's been the most successful coach maybe of all time? Nick Saban. First year at LSU, what happened? Lost to Alabama-Birmingham. First year mm-hmm. at Alabama, what happened? They lost to Louisiana Monroe. You, you think that you think that, the, that Nick Saban can't coach? Uh, you think his team's underachieved? Well, the answer to that, historically, no. You think that they had less talent than those teams that they lost to? No. Well, what, what was the deal? Well, you had players that were from the previous regime that were used to doing it a certain way that hadn't bought into the way we do it, how we practice, how we meet with the meet what the expectations are. And so you get that resistance. Kirby Smart, first year. Remember the struggle against Nichols? Barely beat him. You see it a lot. And I think once you get at least through that first year, you start to lay the groundwork into how you're going to do things. And players are going to either buy in or they're not going to be there. And so the second year, you may have some of that, but most of that is 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 gone. You've you've kind of established where you are, and the guys are buying in. And Dave, when it really gets good about that third year, is when the players on the squad start to say, "Hey, Dave, that's not how we do that. You know, we we you know that's not <laughs> how we do things here. You know, it's just so that that's when it becomes where you're not half." having to constantly handle those things because you only got so many, so much time with them. And I'm not talking about just a 20 hour work week. I'm talking about your relationship with them. If you're constantly trying to handle procedural issues, uh, uh, discipline issues, then that hurts you in your teaching. Think about this is all of us have been in school. When you have a disruptive classroom well, it's not a good learning environment. Why would it be any different in learning football? So I think in the learning football, which is in the classroom, which you have part of it, the lab, which is the practice field, if you don't have the discipline, yeah, you can have fun and all that like you can in the classroom. But you've got to get that focus. Ah, you know, if you got guys that just hey, that's not the way we did it. I didn't come here for that. Well, you know what? This is the way it's going to be now. And if you're not going to be a part of it, then then you need to find another place. And that's. That's obviously where it happens. Now, for Chad, he's going to have to recruit at a really high level. I think he's improving. But, you know, the the challenge is going to be in that league at Arkansas. And they've had a lot of 
um, you know, uh, uh, resources at their disposal financially, the Walmart money for one and the right. Tyson chicken money. But, you know, getting over that hump, I mean, A&M looks like they're certainly in better position to use the resources. Uh, and historically, you know, Arkansas has even had a better overall tradition going back in the day. But try to make some inroads in the SEC West. You know, you can improve and still be lucky to qualify for bowl games, even in the third and fourth year. Chad's got a got a long way to go there. Yep, we'll see. It's Chad Morris, year two. Coming up, a recruiting report on Locked on SEC football. Maybe another top prospect headed to Alabama. We'll tell you right after this. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are Locked on SEC football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On SEC Football. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. I want to remind you, you can also listen to Locked On Big Ten Football and certainly check out LandryFootball.com for in-depth football news at the NFL, college, and even recruiting level. Simply incredible what Chris is able to turn out on a daily basis. Let's get to a recruiting report. Let's start with Darnell Washington. A tight end uh, out of Las Vegas may be headed for Alabama. We know that Alabama's recruiting has no border restrictions. No, and doesn't. In fact, the the school that's probably chasing Alabama the hardest is Georgia, and uh, maybe not too far behind. And this is a great looking kid. And you know, we talk about that corridor from Texas all the way through Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, you know, Georgia, Florida, and up uh, up in the Carolinas. But, you know, when you're that good and you get the top players and then you can go and cherry pick the top players in the country, this is a five-star kid. Not many of them come out of the state of Nevada every year, but this kid is. He is every bit a 6'6", maybe even trending towards 6'7". He's, you know, 248, 250 pounds. I'm not so sure he's not going to end up as a defensive end. That's where I see him. But that frame and broad shoulder build, he carries it very well. Um, you know, it looks like he can't get much bigger, uh, but who knows, but that, that as a, you know, they play them obviously, as you would expect in high school and both sides, but on the offensive side is where he really makes his, his mark because he's such a good runner. He's such a big, long strider and he's strong. He's a, he's a low post player, you know, basketball guy, throw it in the post and he's going to end up getting it. He's going to body up. He's a big time nightmare in the red zone for people he can body up and um you know he can run past you know linebackers and safeties at the high school level and he's got pretty good hands too i mean to to go and high point the ball so this guy's going to be interesting again i see him as a long lean defensive end type of guy i could see him coming in announcing him as a tight end that's maybe where he wants to play but i think he'll figure out at some point that you know, he that may be his future, but he also might have a future as a defensive end. So um, a big time guy. We'll see where he ends up. Alabama and Georgia looks like the key spot for this big young uh, lad from Las Vegas. Do you have a feel at, at this point, Chris, where he might head to or is it too close to call? I'd say 55, you know, 55, 45 Alabama. Wow, that's close. Uh, Darnell Washington tied in out of Las Vegas. We go to our scouting spotlight. C.J. Henderson uh, has had a fantastic career to this point at Florida. 38 tackles last season, five tackles for a loss, uh, three sacks, two interceptions. 
seven pass breakups, which was a team high, two forced fumbles. Uh, he's really, really good. And we talked earlier about schools with great defensive back tradition. Florida is certainly one of those as well. There's no question about it. And this guy is as talented as any cornerback in college football. He can really run. He's just a sophomore. He's from the Miami area. He didn't play cornerback until like the going into the spring of his senior year in high school. I mean, this kid's never played it. So what gets ex- me excited is the fact that he hasn't even tapped his ability from a technique standpoint. Um, I mean, <clears throat> schools like Auburn in West Virginia, he was a running back. And they wanted him as a running back. You come here, you can be a big-time runner in our offense and our spread offense at West Virginia and our power spread at Auburn. We want you as a running back, pure and simple. That's what they it wanted him. So, you know, it gives you an idea of what type of ability this guy has. He's physical. Um, he's not been very effective at learning how to play the run yet because he doesn't know how to come off and play off blocks. But this guy can jump through the roof. He's, roof, he's got a 37-inch vertical. I mean, he's a 4-3 guy. Um, he was truly an athlete coming out, and right now he's still a pup. He's still trying to learn. But with his production to this point and his ability to improve his technique, this kid's got tremendous upsides with his length, his athleticism, his ability to change directions, and his physicality as an on-the-ball player. This guy's going to be fun to watch, and uh, I think um, you know when you stack up the best cornerbacks in the country, he's in that conversation. All right, we'll have the film room coming up next. We'll talk Florida coach Dan Mullen. What makes him tick? Stay tuned. Uh, It'll be more after this on the Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Remember, we also do the Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast with Chris Landry. And check out LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this, the film room. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. It's time to step into the film room and who better to do that with than Chris Landry, who's been a scout, a coach, an executive at the NFL level, LandryFootball.com, covers NFL, college, recruiting the whole nine yards, and you'll be astonished at how affordable it is. So we turned to Dan Mullen, who I know recently has had some issues in the periphery off the field. Uh, but I'm curious what you think of him as an X's and O's coach. I, I think he's top notch. I think he's top shelf. I think he's a great college coach in terms of getting a lot out of his players, developing players, uh, developing game plans um, to be able to attack defenses. I, I think he's good at relating well to players. I think he's really good with coaching quarterbacks. And boy, how important is that uh, at any level? Um, so. With that said, I think that that is a sign that Florida, quite frankly, it's been a little it's been a little while that they've had that type. I mean, they've had some talent. They've underachieved. Um, they found their way into the conference championship game a couple of times against Alabama. And I'm talking about under Jimmy Max days. But, you know, they just didn't look like a team that was well-constructed on offense and well-developed. I think because of their aggressiveness and their athleticism on defense, they've always been pretty good and they'll still continue to be. We just talked about maybe one of, maybe if not the best corner, one of the best corners in the country, as you've alluded to as good a secondary year in and year out, as just about everybody 
they LSU, you know, uh, rightfully can claim DBU and, and a few others can, uh, Texas has done a nice job, but, but uh, Florida is outstanding. Can they get consistently out of their offense what they need to? Now I got to tell you, Felipe Franks is one of those guys that has to me been slow footed, slow release, and a guy that just looked like he was on a slow train to nowhere as a prospect, as a player. And as a next-level prospect, he doesn't have uh, what I like and what I think is going to make it in the NFL. doesn't matter. That's not what this is all about. It's about the college level. I'm not sure he was the answer when he came in. In fact, I thought, I don't think Dan's going to like this guy. I think, you know, you know, whether it's Emory Jones or someone else, he'll figure something else out. The job that he's done with Felipe last year is phenomenal. I, he got him to play better than I thought he could play. Uh, and I think what he does, he does the best, one of the best jobs I see with quarterbacks at the college level of just working what they can do well. And so, you know, he doesn't overemphasize we gotta we gotta correct the thing that they just can't do well. We just gotta make sure that we can accentuate what the guy can do well and then build off of the confidence with that. And then with with that can come some things that can build off of it. And I think that's what we saw with him. A lot of half field reads. Uh he's not a great movement guy, move, movement quarterback, but he can move and he can run. I think he's done a great job. Now, I, I'm not saying that that means that I think Felipe Franks is going to be, you know, an all-SEC quarterback. I don't see that in him. But to this point, what he's made out of him has been impressive. I have said since Dan's gotten the job, and I feel this way more than ever, I think that Florida, Georgia in the East is going to be really intriguing because I think Dan is really proven as a head coach. We've seen what he's done at Mississippi State. His development there of players is astonishing. Getting Mississippi State where they were top of the country, first uh, first playoff rankings, right? Uh, ever was Mississippi State ranked one. Right. Um, I, that just is not, with all due respect, Mississippi State fans, that's just not something that you expect regularly uh, or maybe, you know, even uh, every now and then. For him to do that is special. He's going into an area where he's got better talent at Florida. You've alluded to some off-the-field issues. Getting a handle on that's going to be key. And, and handling maybe the bigger profile where the expectation is you better win the East is different than winning at in Starkville where you if you go to a bowl game and maybe you don't win nine games but you win seven or eight, you can survive that maybe every so often. Can't do that at Florida. So the real key is going to be can Dan continue to recruit on the same lines as Georgia? Let's just stick with that comparison for a second. Because I think if he can, I think from a coaching standpoint, once he gets another year or two, as we know, we just talked about with Arkansas earlier, you got to have a little more time to kind of root your program in. I think that Florida can compete and be on the same level of Georgia. They're not there yet. The talent level is not there yet, and I don't think Dan's going to coach him up over Georgia at this point yet. Maybe he will. I doubt it. But can he recruit to the same level? I think Kirby is less experienced as a head coach, more proven as a recruiter, and has done a good job of coaching, but 
He didn't coach at a Mississippi State like Dan did. So we don't have that track record. In short, I am really excited to see where Dan Mullen can take this program because I think it has the chance to be as good as we've seen it. And I know that Urban did a great job there. I think he can do what Urban did, what you hope, because he was a part of it for a little bit, that you don't have some of the -the off-the-field problems that led to Urban's demise down the road. But as a recruiter, good. Can he be great? As a coach, he's great, but can he be great consistently? That's what I'm looking forward to see, not really just this year, but going forward with Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. There was another guy that had a lot of success there that some questioned his recruiting. Uh, the old ball coach did did okay, so maybe that's that's a good fit with all the talent nearby. So, again, that's Chris Landry. Check out LandryFootball.com. This is your Locked on SEC Football podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, we've got the Locked on Big Ten Football podcast as well. You can check it out on LandryFootball.com or Locked on Podcast if you just search You'll find them on many, many different platforms soon. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Dave Hooker.